We are going to dig into God's word here in this space. Uh, this is our final Sunday in, uh, in our series in James. We've been in James this uh, being the sixth week. And so we're in James chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. If you have your Bibles, I would love for you to turn with me there as we read verse 13 through verse 16. Uh, if you don't have your Bibles with you, you could follow along with the words on the screen as together we hear the word of the Lord. James chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. This is God's word offered to us in its reading and in its hearing together today. We give thanks to the Lord God Almighty for his word. Would you bow with me forward of prayer? Gracious and loving God, we come before you thankful for your word, for the wisdom contained therein and the opportunity we have to grow in godliness through our knowledge of you through your word. Lord, we thank you for, for the authority, for the truth of your word, and we pray, God, that it would seep into our, into our hearts and into our lives. Lord, open our eyes that we would see, our ears that we would hear. Open our minds that we would come to know and understand your word, our hearts that we would feel its power. And I pray, O oh God, in response that you would open our hands, that we would offer grace to the world. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was in my car on a drive by myself, and, and it was early in the morning, so I decided that I was going to, uh, to enter into a space uh, of worship. And so uh, one of the things I like to do is, is to just see uh, how a combination of the Lord and uh, Apple Music will surprise me. Uh, so I, I created a station off of, uh, off of one of my favorite worship songs, and it introduced me to a song that I had never heard before. It's by Maverick City Music, and it's called Talking to Jesus. And the song is, 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 a, is, a, is a story, a generational story about the movement that we have from season to season, from generation to generation, how we teach one another and learn what it means to pray. And that the very essence of prayer is that we're talking to Jesus, that we have that access, that opportunity, that availability. And it got to this point in the song where it talked about a high school student that interrupted his father who was talking to Jesus, who was praying, and his father hears his son say, I'm sorry, you look busy, I'm sorry for interrupting you. And he says, no, this is no interruption. This, this is the perfect time for you and I to be together, and they talk to Jesus together, a father teaching his son 
what that means and looks like. I remember uh, the first time I really put together in my own life what it meant to talk to Jesus. I was in high school. I was a new Christian. I'd just given my life to Christ, and, and I began working at uh, Quail Valley Country Club in Missouri City, Texas, if any of y'all are from Southwest Houston. And, uh, and so I worked in the grill, uh, which is right off of the, the 18th uh, green. And, and there in, in, in the grill, uh, there were only two of us working there. So I got to know all of the customers, particularly the regulars, really well. And there was one couple in particular that I grew very fond of, the Pearsons. The Pearsons came in two or three times a week, but they were always there on Catfish Fridays. Unlimited catfish with a baked potato and a salad. I mean, and so Mr. Pearson was, was so gentle and so tender, so kind. I was 16, I was learning the ropes, and he was gonna help me figure them out. And I grew just this deep affection for Mr. Pearson. And then I remember after about six months of working in the club, uh, Mr. Pearson's wife shared with me that just earlier that week, he had been diagnosed with cancer and was going to begin treatment. So as a new Christian, I just uh, knew that, that what I needed to do was to begin praying. And so every, every circumstance I found myself in, I began praying for Mr. Pearson. I'd go to, to youth group, and the youth director would be like, uh, are there any prayer requests? And people would talk about cats, dogs, and tests, and I would talk about Mr. Pearson. And I, there, I'd go to a, a Bible study, and that prayer request moment would open up, and, and sure enough, I would lift up Mr. Pearson. And after a, a few months of this, I remember my youth director probably saw in me that I was unfamiliar with what it meant to pray, what it meant to talk to Jesus. And when he opened up the time for prayer request, I lifted up Mr. Pearson again. And he turned to me and said, Jason, you've been praying for Mr. Pearson consistently. Would you lead us in prayer right now, right now, for Mr. Pearson. And I remember like, you know, 16, I don't know how to do this. I mean, I heard other people do it, and they sound so much more eloquent than me. They sound like they know what they're doing. They might even be professional prayers, right? Like, and, and I am not a professional prayer. I'm just a kid. And so he probably sees the startled look in my eyes, and, he, and my youth director looked at me and said, Jason, you don't have to know how to do this. All you have to do is know Jesus. Talk to him. That was a a life-changing moment for me. What does it mean to pray? Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 uh, uh, gives us this directive, this challenging directive. It's only three words. This verse is only three words. And and the words are, pray without ceasing. I got other things going on in life too, right? You, do you, anyone? Anyone have, anyone have life, right? But the scripture says, Pray without ceasing. How do, how do you do that? How do you walk into that? How do you live a life of prayer? 
I believe we're all called to, to, to grow in that and to come to know what it means to talk to Jesus consistently as a friend, as though he is, because he is, not as though, but because he is right there with us all along the way. And James gives us some, some guidance, some help orienting us to what it means to pray without ceasing. He breaks it down into four different uh, arenas of prayer, opportunities for prayer that, that, that will inform us and guide us. And so we're going to walk through those together. The first is, uh, is anyone in trouble? Let them pray. Any of you know trouble? Anyone? Anyone have, have trouble? Okay, pause. Some of you are nodding, some of you aren't, so maybe today you're feeling pretty good. Any of you ever known trouble? Okay, we've all walked through some trouble. We all are going to walk through some trouble, and many of us are walking through trouble right now. And actually, if we, if we ponder deeply enough, if we, if, we, if we allowed ourselves to actually consider what's going on in our lives, we, we could probably find some trouble, but we just try to suppress it instead. And James is, is calling upon the church and says, when there is trouble, pray. Pray, call upon the name of the Lord. Talk to Jesus because he is able and he is there and he is ready. And so often we, instead of praying, when we're in the midst of trouble, what do we do? We try to make our own enoughness work out. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to solve this. I'm going like, to just work the problem. I'm going to go through the steps. Give me a program. Give me a process. I can do it. How's that working out for you? It don't work out for me very well. So in the midst of trouble, we are invited to pray, both because he is able, and because our prayers are a sign of our faith. Whenever we pray, we are showing God that we trust in God, that we, that we are obedient to God, that we submit to God, and that we know God's better is better. And so we walk through that, and we seek his wisdom for that, and we seek his direction for that, because his ways are greater than our ways. And so when you're in trouble, pray. Number two. Number two is uh, when you're happy, sing songs of praise. Now those songs of praise are in fact uh, songs of worship. All, all throughout uh, Scripture we see different songs presented to us in the words of Scripture. And those songs are a prayer to the Lord. Alyssa led us so beautifully today in articulating that that last song that we were singing was not merely a song. It was actually a prayer. A prayer of blessing that we could sing from our hearts. Have any of you ever been happy? Anyone? Okay, good. Uh, I, I saw nods on the trouble. I'm seeing a few nods on the happy. I hope some of you have, have found happiness somewhere at some point in life. Whenever you are happy, you should have the song of your heart be one of communion with God, one of praise. 
I love some of the old hymns that just get, get stuck in my head and just, just get, continue to echo through my mind and through my heart. I, when how great thou art gets a hold of me, I know something good's going on in my life, right? When, whenever whenever the, the songs from our worship experience carry me all the way through Sunday and I wake up on Monday morning still singing I know that the Lord is doing something good, and I want the Lord to be praised, not just whenever I am in trouble, but also when I'm happy. And to be quite honest, oftentimes, that is even harder for us. Because often, when we're happy, we think that we've arrived, or maybe worse off, we think we've done something. We've accomplished this goal, this goal of happiness that we've aimed our lives towards that probably necessitated some form of achievement or some, uh, some ordering of, of our actions, and now we've arrived, and now we're happy And so we look to ourselves to praise ourselves and to thank ourselves and God is left out. But here in our happiness, in our happiness, we are to turn to God in praise and prayer. In our trouble, in our happiness, and then one that sometimes or oftentimes actually we correlate with the first, but but James breaks it out. And I think for important reasons, uh, James is inviting us to consider not just trouble, but specifically sickness. If you need healing, pray and call others to prayer as well. Invite others in. How often do we feel like we have to walk through this alone? We get this diagnosis or we get this bad news and and we think, man, I just need to to buckle down and grind it out. Give me the treatment. Give me the treatment plan. I'll walk through this. Maybe alone. You don't walk alone as a Christian. We're not built for that. We are designed for community. We are brothers and sisters in the faith. And so if any of us need healing... We're to call on others to pray for us. And in fact, there's even a process. If, if any of you need prayer, if any of you need healing, you could talk to one of the pastors. We would love to talk to you. And we'll bless you. We'll pray over you. And if you want others to come alongside you in prayer, we'll invite them there as well. I remember a few years ago, there was a church member uh, who, who was given a grave diagnosis, a diagnosis of cancer. And I went over to their house and I sat down with, with him and with his wife and we cried and we talked and we prayed. And before I left, I asked him a critical question. Who, who can I share this with? Because I want to be sure I honor you and your privacy. Who could I share this with? He looked at his wife and he looked back at me as though they knew the heart that they shared with one another. And he said, everyone. Tell everyone. Tell the whole church family. Tell the pastors. Tell the leaders. Tell the church 
I am not going through this alone. I can't go through this alone, but I know I'm not alone. I have my Lord with me and I have my church with me. And we walked together with him and we celebrated together with him. God calls us through his word whenever we need healing, pray and invite your church to pray with you as well. When there's trouble, when you are happy, when you need healing, pray. And also, fourth and and finally from James, he lays out for us that something that that we are all too familiar with, what it means to pray in confession and absolution. Confession and absolution. He says, says, when there is is a a sin, uh, we are to confess it to one another and then to receive uh, the, the forgiveness from God, but allow the people of God to inform that. Now, I know some of us have come from a Catholic background and, and the ritual of confession in that background looks a little different. And, and I know there are distinctions. So I want to lay those out. In that Catholic sense, there is a priest that goes to God for us. And we uh, know that Scripture leads us not to be required to go to someone else. But God is readily available at all times in all ways for us. So we could go directly to God in prayer. And we should. And whenever we confess to a sister or brother our sins, our brokenness, vulnerably in truth, God has healing for us. Spiritual reconciliation that is relational and it's available for each and every one of us. I have had very few spiritual battles where I was victorious outside of, where God was victorious through me outside of confession. I have a group of covenant brothers. We, we gather together. We confess to one another. We pray over one another. And we receive testimony of God's persistent grace that, that washes over each and every one of us. I know this is difficult because so often uh, we, we feel like acknowledging our brokenness is a sign of weakness. But scriptures say where we are weak, God is strong. And if we can acknowledge our own weaknesses, all we get to do is celebrate God's strength. And so when you confess to a sister or a brother and you experience that vulnerability, you could could hear the words that we share of absolution around this communion table. Those words as, as far as the east is from the west, as far as the north is from the south. So far has your sin been removed from you in the name of Jesus Christ. You are forgiven. Or maybe you might remember hearing it this way. Just as, as Jesus died while we were yet sinners, 
that only proves God's love for us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. And so I invite you to not walk through your struggles of sin alone, but to pray, to pray directly to God and and invite others in as well through confession and know that God has that absolution, reconciliation available for each and every one of us. There's a beautiful uh, move that then takes place, this movement from the, the list of four, trouble, happiness, healing, confession. And, and, and that, that turn uh, then follows what we read this morning as, as uh, James gives reference to Elijah as, as, as a turning point uh, for us to take this scripture and see how it's been applied. And how all four of those elements are there for us in 1 Kings 17 and 18. If you, if you want to go back for reference, I invite you to go there because you could see all four elements of prayer in Elijah and his encounter with the prophets of Baal and his relationship to King Ahab in 1 Kings 17 and 18. But that, that sparked in me. Like the, the, this, this question of reference, this wondering and curiosity. How often is in Scripture is, uh, is this list of four uh, revealed to us consistently as an invitation to reflect it in our lives, our habit of praying without ceasing? And today is Palm Sunday, so I, w- I was studying the, the, the Palm Sunday text and, and what precedes it and what's going on in that week, the six days leading up to Palm Sunday and then that day of Palm Sunday as well. And, and, and I think it's a beautiful articulation of these four things that we could uh, be reminded of and celebrate today. Exactly six days before Palm Sunday, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem, and on the way, he sees a little dude up in a tree. You remember that guy? Zacchaeus. He sees Zacchaeus in a tree, and, and, and he, invites, uh, he, he invites himself, as Jesus weren't known to do, uh, he invites himself to Zacchaeus' house, and while they're there, those uh, uh, legal minds in the room question why Jesus would eat with the sinner. And Lazarus is convicted of his sin. And from that conviction publicly, before Jesus, his disciples, and all the dinner party guests, he confesses that he has cheated people. And he seeks reconciliation by promising to restore people and then some. And Jesus celebrates, this is why I came, to seek and save the lost. There is this move in Zacchaeus to talk to Jesus about his sin and to receive restoration. And then there's movement, Uh, time uh, passes, but then uh, still on the way to Jerusalem, still on the way to Palm Sunday, uh, Jesus approaches uh, Jerusalem, and before he gets to, to, to Jerusalem, he, uh, he goes to his friend's house where Lazarus has died. 
And Lazarus is now laying in the grave four days dead, extra dead according to the scripture. And, and there in the midst of that need for healing in John chapter, uh, chapter 11, beginning in verse 41, Jesus prays. Jesus looks up and he says, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said, take off the grave clothes, let him go. Jesus prayed for healing and the Lord God Almighty had his prayers answered in healing. And then as, as Jesus enters in on that Palm Sunday, you remember that glorious gathering where, where you have everybody awaiting this, this Passover meal and, and here is Jesus uh, there at the top of the Mount of Olives ready to come down through the Kidron Valley to enter in to the Holy Temple. And what happens? All of the people gather around and, and, and they, they actually cut branches off the trees and, and they lay their, their cloaks down and they wave their branches. And do you remember what they said? They took palm branches and went to meet him and they shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. A song that lifted up from within every single person present so that they all in their happiness and rejoicing praised God. And then finally, as though God's word is so very intentional, that very day, Jesus is gathering with his disciples and he prays in front of his disciples this prayer in John chapter 12, verse 27. Now my soul is troubled. I have trouble. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason that I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Father, glorify your name in the midst of my troubles. Then God's voice came from heaven and said, I have glorified it and I'll glorify it again. And all those who heard it knew that an angel of God had spoken. You see... The scriptures are consistent in this invitation to pray, to pray without ceasing. What does that mean? I believe James lays it out for us to pray when, when you're in trouble, to pray when you're happy, to pray when you need healing, to pray when there is confession to be had. And you see it over and over and over again through scripture. And so I have an invitation for us for us to talk to Jesus and for us to teach others to talk to Jesus, for us to be a people of prayer. And, and, and you know, whenever uh, we receive news from someone, it's so typical for us to respond with a quick te text message or a quick word, uh, I'll be praying for you or I'm praying for you. I have a challenge for you. Now, this challenge, the challenges during this, uh, this series have typically been week by week. I'm like squashing that today. 
I'm sorry, this is not a, just a challenge for this week. This is a, this is a life-changing pattern that I'm inviting you to be challenged in. Whenever you are compelled to text back or to say back, I will be or I am praying for you, squash that. Reset. I invite you to actually type your prayer to God over that situation. Or if you're with someone and someone has shared with you from the tenderness of their heart, their prayer request, I invite you to pause and say, can we pray over that together now? And to hold hands and to bow and to talk to Jesus together. The prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. Let us not neglect that gift, but rather let us lean in prayer together as a people who will pray without ceasing. Let's go to God together in prayer now. Gracious and loving God, you are ever more ready to hear our prayers than we are to pray them. And yet, O oh Lord, you are doing something extraordinary in prayer. So we ask, oh God, that you would move amongst us, that we would experience you in our midst, that, that we would be so clear about what it is that you are inviting us into, that we would, that we would be overwhelmed with joy in knowing that you love us and we can talk with you. Lord, we pray that you would restore us in our times of trouble. We pray that you would be glorified in our joy. We pray that you would heal those who are sick amongst us. And we pray, uh, we pray a prayer of confession over our sins. And we ask, oh God, that you would, that you would restore us and heal us. Thank you for your love. Thank you for prayer. As we continue in worship and we enter into this time of offering, Lord, we pray that you would bless these gifts and bless the givers as well, that all that is done in this time of offering would be to your glory, honor, and praise. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.